0: Uh, Please note, next Sunday is another joint service, so that's 10 o'clock start. And Mike Hill from Friends International is our preacher, so 10 o'clock start uh, next Sunday, please. And I have some bands (coughs) to be read. I publish the bands of marriage between Nathan Bolton of this parish and Chantelle Jones of this parish. This is for the third time of asking. If anybody knows any reason in law why these two persons may not be joined together in holy matrimony, you are to declare it now. Let's pray for Nathan and Chantal. Father, we pray for Nathan and Chantal as they prepare for their married life, as they prepare for their wedding. We pray that you, Lord Jesus, will be the centre of their lives, uh, the centre of their marriage and that they would know great joy, and that they would uh, know your blessing on them. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's stand and sing our first hymn. Lovely, lovely hymn, Tell Out My Soul, The Greatness of the Lord. Let's stand and sing together. Do you please sit. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. 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 Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. So we come to confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed. Through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Let's just keep a moment of quiet as we've said those words to God. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So before we have our reading and uh, John's uh, sermon from John, we're going to stand and sing... Uh, A lovely song which uh, will, I think, echo what the, the reading says as well. So let's stand and sing. Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. Let's stand and sing together. have a seat, and Ingrid is going to come and bring us our reading.
1: The reading is taken from Romans, chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Let's pray for John, shall we? Father, we thank you for John. We thank you for his ministry amongst us, his friendship, uh, all that uh, he and Carolyn bring to our fellowship. And Lord, we pray now as he preaches that we would hear and that we would take. Uh, Your word into our lives, and that we would live your word out in our lives each day in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Well, good morning. No need to look so serious. I'm the one with the problem up here. (laughs) Well, I do hope you've got your Bibles open. I do encourage you to uh, have them open to Romans 5, verse 1, so that you've got that to refer to, and uh, in my Bible it's page 1026, but that's probably not true for the Pew Bibles, but uh, nice to see people reaching for the Bible, that's lovely. Five verses, one short paragraph at the start of Romans 5. And it's stuffed full of goodness. This is a real bundle of joy, these five verses. In many ways, it's a focal point of of the whole letter to the Romans, summing up the first few chapters and then preparing us for what is to come. At this point, Paul, up to this point, Paul has been talking about sin and judgment and how we as miserable sinners can finally find a way forward. And then after, in the succeeding chapters, he tells us about our new spirit-filled life in Christ. So this is a, a, a pivot point, if you like. He stops looking back and he starts looking forward. And in the heart of this paragraph is a phrase That personally I find captivating. It's just lovely. This grace in which we now stand. This grace in which we now stand. And hopefully this little phrase will help us to unpack some of the richness of these verses. This grace. We might begin by asking, How did we get to be standing in grace? Well, the verses begin with, therefore, since we have been justified, therefore, it means because of all that's gone in the past, this is what happens now. Because we have been justified, all these things follow. Now, being justified is a whole topic in itself. Paul spent uh, four chapters on it. And we don't have time to do that this morning because I'm aware that there's another service and lunch and all sorts of things to follow. But in short, perhaps it's best explained by these verses from Colossians. This is Colossians 1, and it's from the Phillips uh, loose translation in case you don't recognize it straight away. You, who were once so far away from God, you were his enemies and hated him and were separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, he has brought you back as his friends. He has done this through the death on the cross of his own human body. And now, as a result, Christ has brought you into the very presence of God. And you are standing there before him with nothing left against you. Nothing left that he could even chide you. We were God's enemies. Our relationship with him was broken through our willful and rebellious and disobedient behavior. There was nothing that we could do to put that right. And Jesus, through his death on the cross, dealt with all of that. The punishment we deserved fell on him. And we can now enter God's presence without guilt or fear. And enjoy the very best of what God has for us. What Jesus has done provides our justification. And as we have faith in him, he's made this grace in which we now stand possible. And so, Paul goes on to say, we have peace with God a broken relationship restored, fear of judgment and guilt because of all our sin, all taken away. And this means, he says that we have access. Actually, a better translation for for that word is invited or introduced. It's a word used of ushering someone into the presence of royalty. It was not our doing that we have this access. It's not like I can say I've hacked away all the brambles and now I have access to the bottom of the garden. That's no, nothing that we've done. It's all about what Jesus has done. As Barclay describes it, Jesus opens a door and ushers us into the very presence of God and he goes on to comment that when that door is opened, what we find is is grace not condemnation, not judgment, not vengeance, but sheer, undeserved, incredible kindness of God? This is the grace in which we now stand. It's even more wonderful than that, really, as John Stott points out. And, and you know, you can't preach on Romans without quoting John Stott at some point. And John Stott says, um. Justified believers enjoy a blessing far greater than a periodic approach to God or an occasional audience with the king. We are privileged to live in the temple and in the palace. This is not sporadic, but continuous. Not precarious, but secure. Brought into his presence... To stay and live there. An audience with the Queen is amazing, as Paddington Bear discovered last weekend. (laughs) But you'd be aware that it was just for a few moments at most. That's all most people get with the Queen. To live in the palace with constant access to Her Majesty. And no fear of being thrown out by some footman. Well, that would be beyond our wildest dreams. We have the right to be there. That is amazing. And that is our situation with the living God as we stand in grace. If, If that's how we come to stand in this grace, what does it mean and how does it affect? Where you stand can say a great deal about who you are and your situation. Where you stand, for example, can say something about your status. For example, if you are in the royal enclosure at Ascot, you are clearly well-connected. You have status. Our standing is also used to describe our reputation. We might say of someone, do they have a good standing in the community? Where you stand is used to describe your outlook and point of view. I might ask you, where do you stand on Scottish independence? I'm not asking you that, but uh, you know, I could do, yeah. Where you stand um, is based on your principles and the values which are important to you, they control your behavior. Where you stand can have an effect on your safety. If you're standing in the middle of the M25, you are not very safe. But if you're standing in one of um, uh, Joe Biden's uh, nuclear bunkers, you know, two miles underground, you're probably very safe indeed. What you're standing on is important too. Are you standing on rock? Or are you out in the middle of uh, Westwood Hole Bay standing on sinking sand with a tide coming in? And then where you stand determines your view. Ivan will know about this, but in the old days, you know, you were standing on the terraces at football and you thought you had a good view and then moments before kickoff, some giant basketball player comes and stands right in front of you, and you don't see. I was at the game, and I couldn't see very much at all because of him, and I got there really, uh, enough, I've got to let that go. Ah. But you know, I also remember standing on the top of a hill in the Grand Teton Mountain Range, and the view was unhindered and spectacular. Let's think about those things for a moment. As we stand in God's grace, our status is that we are children of God and heirs with Christ. There is no greater status than that. As we stand in God's grace, our reputation is faultless. As we are cleansed from every fault and we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And God sees us as he sees Jesus, faultless perfection. As we stand in God's grace, our outlook is based on the truth of God's word. We have the opportunity to see things as God sees them. Our principles and values can likewise be based on God's. What's important to him can become what is important to us. As we stand in God's grace, we are safe and secure. Nothing in all creation can separate us from his love and blessing. As we stand in God's grace, we have solid foundations. We read in Psalm 40, he he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And finally, uh, as we stand in God's grace, our view is eternity. We look past the temporary and failing things of this world and fix our eyes on the hope of the glory of God. Is this not amazing? I'd love to see that on your faces as I speak just now. How amazing is this wonderful grace of God. What a privilege to enter his presence without fear, to enjoy all these wonderful blessings. The sharp-eyed among you will have noticed that these few verses uh, refer to past, present, and future. It speaks of the past. We have been justified. It's done. It's dusted. In the present, we are now, this moment, Standing in God's grace and in the future, we look to the hope of the glory of God. And we can be certain of that hope because the Spirit has given us in our hearts an assurance of God's unceasing, extravagant and faithful love for us. Now I'm going to leave the bit about suffering, perseverance, character, and hope. It's a, it's a lovely thing. You really need to look at that. I shall put something in home group, questions about it. If you don't go to a home group, or, um, look at those verses. They're worthy of study. But I want to just finish by thinking a little more about how we respond to standing in this amazing grace. Do we realize, do we really realize how amazing this is? What an incredible privilege is ours as Christians to stand in this grace now. But can I ask myself honestly, do I live with this as the overwhelming reality of my life? We sing amazing grace, but do we really think and behave as if it's true? I want to quickly suggest some reasons why perhaps we're not as excited and it doesn't affect our lives as as it really should, this grace of God in which we now stand. Is it possible that we don't really understand sin very well. We know we've done wrong, uh, but perhaps we don't feel that we're really that bad. No, I've never robbed a bank or mugged an old lady, committed adultery. Uh, I've, I've, I've never been cruel to animals compared to some other people. Well, you know, I'm just not so bad. But as Bishop Moore explained it like this, He said, the harlot, the liar, the murderer are short of God's glory, but so are you. Perhaps they stand at the bottom of a mine, and you are at the peak of a mountain, but you are as little able to touch the stars as they. The truth is our selfishness, our envy, our greed, our lack of compassion for those in need, our anger or bitterness, are all equally as offensive to god as what we might call the you know the the major things of murder and violence and the like god doesn't grade sins like we do he hates all of our wrongdoings with an anger and intensity we can't even imagine in god's sight it's all serious stuff and if we make light of our wrongdoing we will never understand the wonder of God's grace. Maybe our understanding of the consequences of sin is weak. We don't talk much about hell these days. Reminded of the lady who said to her vicar, we didn't know what hell was until you came. (laughs) Sorry, Peter. We talk about a God of love and try not to mention hell because it's not a very popular concept. And so like spin doctors, we present only what people want to hear. But the Bible speaks a lot about the consequences of sin. It talks about God's anger and judgment and people perishing. And Jesus' teaching was very clear about the consequences of sin and the reality of judgment. And we can debate what hell is like. We don't, we don't really know. But whatever it is, it's a truly terrible place and a very real prospect. When we understand what we've been saved from, our understanding of grace is marvelously enriched. There's also, it's also true that we, we don't like to admit our helplessness. We are truly undeserving of God's gift of grace. There is nothing we can do and nothing in us which makes us worthy of this extravagant love that God has poured out on us. We've achieved nothing which can offset the terrible consequences of our wrongdoing in God's sight. But we live in a society which values self reliance, independence, success, and is never keen to accept responsibility mistakes. We've seen that in the public sphere just recently. And in such a world, it's hard to tread the path of humility and total dependence. We get dragged along with society thinking the way that they do. So admitting failure and coming in complete dependence on somebody else is a difficult thing. We like to think that there's, there's something we can do, something we have done to somehow earn this grace. But there's no room for pride or self-justification at the foot of the cross. As the old hymn says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And once we get to that point where we realise finally that... W- It's all God's doing. We bring nothing. Then we are truly grateful. And grace is truly wonderful. And one more thing. That we don't really richly understand the cost of the gift. This grace which we receive as a gift was enormously expensive. When God paid a price for us, the Son of God died and on that cross took on himself the wrath of God for all the sin of all the world, and that includes mine. It was an extraordinary act of totally committed love. We thank God for communion, which reminds us of the cost of our salvation. The body of Jesus broken his blood shed as a costly sacrifice but even that reminder does little to help us understand the anguish of the father and the suffering of the son the cost of grace for them was everything and we think about he did it for the sins of the world but we need to frame this in a different way he did it for my sin it's personal the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This grace in which we stand, coming into the presence of God without fear, knowing his peace, experiencing the warmth of his love and all the blessings that we talked about this morning, it's truly amazing. May each of us come to understand this, not only in our head, but in our hearts. And may we respond in love to the extravagant love which God has poured out on us and the incredible grace in which we now stand. And we're going to listen now to a song um, by a guy called John Pantry. He's not singing it in this version, but it's called Wonderful Grace. Speaks of the wonderful grace of God, the wonderful love of God. And the chorus gives an opportunity, in effect, to respond to what God has been saying this morning about this amazing grace. And the chorus says, All that I have, I lay at the feet of the wonderful Saviour who loves me. And surely, when we consider how amazing this grace is, Surely that's what we want to say in our hearts to God just now. Lord, this is wonderful. And in response to your love, now I lay at the feet all that I have. I lay at the feet of the wonderful Saviour who loves me.
0: so we come to a time of prayer a time of intercession as we stand in the grace that Jesus has won for us and we now stand in that grace so a very simple refrain Lord in your mercy hear our prayer so let's pray we thank you O God that you have given us an enduring hope one which cannot disappoint us or mislead us. We thank you that through our faith in you, faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, that you enter into every believing heart and make new lives that have been torn asunder by the darkness of this world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray today, O God, that those believers who are asleep may awake and know that salvation is nearer now than when they first believed. Help them, help us, to lay aside the works of darkness and to put on the armour of light that you bestow upon those who seek you day by day. Grant that our faith may be fully alive in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask today, Father God, for those who have lost hope and for those who have not yet put their hope in you, grant to us and to those we lift before you in our hearts a new and abiding vision of what you have done and what you are doing and what you will do to save and redeem your people and indeed creation itself. Grant, O oh God, that all might see and believe and discover their purpose and the purpose of all that is and all that there is yet to be. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we lift to you our governments at this time of great challenge. We pray for all who hold high office, that they will govern with integrity and justice. We pray that as ministers have to make difficult decisions about education and health and the economy, that they will be able to balance all the factors concerned. We pray that they will know your peace that passes all understanding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And invite you now to pause and consider a situation or someone you want to pray particularly for right now. Maybe something you've heard about in the news this week, or someone you know more personally who needs your prayers. So have a think. We lift before you, holy God, those persons or those places that are on our our hearts right now, whether far or near. That your peace, one for us in Christ, will be known each day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask all these things of you, our Father, knowing that you are our hope and our salvation, a very present help in times of trouble, and the one whose purpose is to grant new and abundant life to all this world that you love so much. Praise be to your holy name. Amen. And so in a moment, we're going to be taking communion. We're going to be sharing in the bread and the wine. And last week, if you remember, if you were here, we shared the peace, and we were slightly more relaxed in the way we did that. So if you feel able, as we we share the peace, to uh, shake hands or just go slightly nearer, that's fine. If you don't want to, that's absolutely fine as well. Respect each other as we share the peace. So may the peace of the Lord be always with you, Let's share God's peace with each other. We are using Eucharistic Prayer B. The Lord be with you. And also shall we be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Is. Father, we Father, we give you thanks and praise through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your living word through whom you have created all things, who was sent by you in your great goodness to be our Saviour. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he took flesh. As your Son, born of the Blessed Virgin, he lived on earth and went about among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross. He put an end to death by dying for us and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and one for you, a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying, Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, and heaven and, and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the Lord, you are holy indeed, the source of all holiness. Rather, by the power of the Holy Spirit and according to your holy will, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. Christ has died. Christ Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so, Father, calling to mind his death on the cross, his perfect sacrifice made once for the sins of the whole world, rejoicing in his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and looking for his coming in glory, we celebrate this memorial of our redemption. As we offer you this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, We bring before you this bread and this cup and we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Send the Holy Spirit on your people and gather into one in your kingdom all who share this one bread and one cup so that we in the company of all the saints may praise and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be yours, Almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and for Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we will share in one Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. The blood of Christ shed for you. And so we pray this prayer together following communion. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We, whom the Spirit lights, give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And Let's pray now for those who can't be with us today for uh, whatever reason. Lord, we pray your blessing, your hand to be upon those who can't be with us at church this morning. Whether through frailty, uh, through illness, for whatever reason, Lord, we pray your hand, your peace, your grace that we stand in, Lord, that they would know now and every single day your love to be poured out upon each one, in Jesus' name. And so our final hymn, In Christ Alone, My Hope is Found. Let's stand and sing and declare our hope is in Christ alone. As we go from this place, again, these words of Paul, may these words echo in your hearts. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And so may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds, and the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you, and keep you now and always. Amen. So go in peace to love and to serve the Lord.